everybody doing? Ready to go? Oh man, I have been looking forward to preaching during this series primarily because of that video, right? Like I'm just like, yes, let's do this. This is going to be awesome. Hey, I want to welcome all of you today and all of you at all of our campuses as well as those of you who are joining us online. You know, this has been a great series and today we are wrapping up our Tenacious series. But let me just, before we go in here, let me just make a little disclaimer. Here on North San Jose campus, we're having a little bit of lighting issues, which is why the house lights are on in full force. So there is a part on the way that I heard they have to make somewhere halfway across the globe. Don't worry, we're working on it. It's on the way. But the great thing is with this is that today when I'm, te- when I'm preaching, I can see you. So if you start to fall asleep, I'll just concentrate in that area, right? So no pressure. Now, and if you're online, we're just tracking your IP address. No worries. Like we, we got this down. Just kidding on that one. But, but today, we're so glad all of you came here and are here. And in this series, here's the thing that we've been talking about. We, we've been saying, we want to talk about fighting for what matters most. Because when we start to fight for what matters most, we stop fighting over what matters least. And who of us wants to give our time, our energy, and our attention to the things that don't really matter? I don't know any of us that do. We want to give our time, our attention, our energy, and our best to the things that really matter. So we want to start fighting for what matters most. And during this series, we've been looking at the life of Daniel, who is found in the Old Testament of the Bible. And and in Daniel's life, I mean, there is so much that we can pull from his life to apply into our lives to understand, one, what are the things that we want to fight for? What does it mean, and how does this apply to our relationship with God? And so far in this series, we've looked at three different things in Daniel's life. We've looked at fighting for integrity in our lives. We've looked at fighting for humility in our lives, for fighting for faithfulness in our lives. And today, we want to look at this aspect that Daniel is really the most well-known for, and that is prayer. Prayer. You know, all of us here at all of our campuses online, we may all have different perspectives or thoughts when it comes to prayer you know we may all be different places in our spiritual journey so we hear the word prayer we we start thinking different things maybe some of you are pretty new to church and following jesus and it's like well i'm here trying to figure that thing out or what that really looks like maybe some of you would say hey i I pray like every now and then sometimes maybe you know some of you might say prayer is an everyday regular consistent part of my life i mean i don't know how i'd make it through my day without prayer i mean we're probably all in these different places but i think that we could probably all agree and we would probably see if we took a poll amongst everybody that at all of our campuses that all of us probably at some point the vast majority have had have said some type of prayer at some time for some reason for something right i mean if you think about this if maybe you're like me i grew up as a kid 
And you know, you have the bedtime routine. You know, if you are a parent, you know that you go through the routine, you do all the same stuff, and you probably had the same thing when you were a kid, and maybe prayer was a part of your bedtime routine. For me, it was, and it had the same prayer. Every night, I said the same thing for like 20 years, right? Like, God help my mom and my dad, my brother, help my cousins, you know, my aunt, uncle, and you just name off everybody in your family, and you just kind of go through that. Confessing all my sins tonight before I go to sleep. If I die tonight, would you take me to heaven? Like, you do like, the whole thing. Like, you do the same thing every single night. Maybe you had that one. You know, maybe some of you, you've had other prayers like myself, too. Uh, maybe some of you, how many of you, think about this, have ever prayed for your favorite team to win that game? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's the one, you're on the couch, on your tiptoes like this, you're screaming at the TV, and you're confessing all of your sins to God, and signing your life away, if only your team could win. Some of you are laughing out of guilt, because you know you've done this, right? Like, you know, think about this too. Some of you, maybe you've prayed that you would pass that test. You remember that feeling in middle school and high school, when you would walk in, and you'd be like, that's today? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, man. And you're praying because you're like, dear Lord Jesus, help me pass the test. Because if I fail, when I get home, my mom and dad are going to kill me. And then they're going to ground me forever. And then when you get to college, it gets even worse because you're like, man, if I fail this one, my parents are going to make me pay for it. The tuition bill is coming to me. You know, and then there's other times. Maybe some of you, you might be in this place right now at one of our campuses where you're praying through this. You're praying for that guy, that girl to go out with you. Now, let me just say this. If they're, if they're sitting beside you, don't look at them. Look right here. All right? We don't need this thing getting any more awkward, but it'd be right here. But, you know, you're praying for them right here still. You're, but you're praying for them to go out with you at some point. You know, I mean, we've all had these times in our lives where we're going to say some kind of prayer. Maybe it is something like this where it's really in the grand scheme of things. It may not be a life-altering type of event, thing that we're praying for. But sometimes in our lives, there are those things, those circumstances, those seasons that we hit where, man, prayer is in the forefront. I mean, this is the big deal. This is the one that is waking us up at night, getting us out of bed first thing in the morning. It's bringing tears to our eyes. There's desperation in our souls. I mean, this is, this is when we get to that place, that point when we're praying for that family member, that friend to experience healing. This is the one where we start praying for that job because, man, I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table for my kids. This is the one where we are praying that our marriage would not end in divorce, but we're praying for God to bring restoration. I mean, these are the times in our life when all we can do is pray. I mean, it's like it, we are praying like we have never prayed before for God to show up and come through in this circumstance. And at some point in our lives, prayer will either be a part of our life or it will at least cross through our heads as maybe I should pray about this. And it'll be from the minor things to these big major things. But, but I think if we're honest, a lot of times when we get to prayer and the way that we approach it, we probably approach it through two different ways. One, we see it as an, it's like an obligation. You know, it kind of feels like that's probably what I should do, right? So we start doing it, and we're kind of praying. That's what people do when they go to church. They want to know God. They're going to pray. They're going to pray about stuff. And then when I skip a day, I feel bad, and I feel guilty. So I'm praying the next day, and I'm forcing myself to pray. And then I get in this whole thing of, like, I feel obligated. It becomes duty, and I'm trying to do this. But on the other side is sometimes it's our circumstances that force us into prayer. And it may be something where we haven't, we haven't thought about praying or thought about God or anything like for months, but all of a sudden something happens, and now we're in the middle of praying. 
So when we would look at the life of Daniel, what we see in Daniel's life is that his, this, this aspect of prayer in his life was not influenced by circumstances. It wasn't something that was haphazard. It's not something that he did out of duty, but it is something that came out of who he is, out of his integrity, his character, out of his relationship and knowing God. I mean, this is where prayer began to flow out of him. Now, as we get ready to jump into looking at Daniel's life with prayer, I want us to, to be thinking about this thought when it comes to prayer is that prayer is admitting dependence on God to unlock the power of God. Think about this. Prayer is admitting dependence on God to unlock the power of God. When you think about the very act of praying, like just I'm praying to God, it's already an admission of dependence. Because if I could do it in myself or by myself, I wouldn't need to pray about it. So by the very act of praying, I'm admitting my dependence. You think about the posture of praying. Oftentimes, you know, we might think about this, right? It's like the kneeling, like kind of like down, kneeling, head bowed. Like maybe I'm praying, and this isn't the only way to pray, but just a lot of times we think about this, right? Like in this posture, it is admitting dependence on God, that I need God to come through in my circumstances, in my life, in my situation. And there's something about this. When we are admitting our dependence, we are humbling ourselves before God. And as we even saw earlier in this series, when we humble ourselves before God, God responds favorably to humility, but he opposes pride. And in this instance, as we admit our dependence on God, you know what begins to happen is it provides an opportunity where God is going to turn favorably to us, and God is going to show up in our life, and the power of God is unlocked in our life, in our circumstances, in our situations. And here is the opportunity when God shows up that God is going to get the glory for it. In other words, what's going to happen is when God shows up, now your faith is going to grow. Because you know what's going to happen is you're going to be like, the next time I hit a circumstance like this, I'm going to look back. I'm going to go, God showed up there. Why wouldn't he show up here? And we're going to go forward even more believing. But then also it provides an opportunity when God shows up because we admitted our dependence. Because we came before God humbly. When God shows up, people around us, even people who may not yet believe in Jesus, follow him, claim he's the God, will have no other answer except something happened that I can't explain, and I know that you pray to your God. We admit our dependence on God to unlock the power of God in our life. And Daniel has this part of prayer in his life. And to catch up a little bit here on Daniel, in case you're new joining us with this series, the book of Daniel found in the Old Testament takes place around 600 B.C. The Babylonian Empire had taken over Israel. I mean, they came in, clean house, they, they took it over, and they took some of the top teenage guys out of Israel, they brought them all the way back over to Babylon, and they put them in the internship program. You guys know this at some of your tech companies that you may work at, there's the internship program. Basically, it's like a brainwashing you know, we're trying to take people and we're making future employees that have our culture, right? I mean, that's what it is. So, so here they are. They, they bring them into Babylon. They want to brainwash them in their ways, teach them their culture. They're like, we're going to develop future leaders here that can lead across our country and our empire. And so what they do is they've got all these guys, and Daniel is one of them that they brought over. So Daniel's in the king's palace. He's going forward. But here's the amazing thing, that Daniel in his life would go through three different kings, Two of them were Babylonian kings. The third one, where we pick up today, is a Me from the, the king of the Medes and the Persians. I mean, they came in and took over Babylon, so now it's under a whole different empire. 
But in every king, every empire, Daniel was elevated. Because Daniel would continue, even pulled away as a teenager, out of his land, away from his family, away from his entire religious system and values that would follow God and honor God, Daniel would stay faithful. And he would faithfully follow God, honor God, protect and guard his character. And as a result, God would elevate him in every place to this point when he's under King Darius, the Medes and the Persians, and Daniel has basically been elevated to like second in command. I mean, he's, he's really, he's over the 120 governors that are leading the entire empire and nation. And then this is where the workplace drama kicks in. Yeah. You guys know some of that, right? Some of y'all have been through that. It's like, like the going behind your back to like, you know, trying to get you fired, trying to cut around you on the corporate ladder. Like, it gets dirty. I mean, I've heard stories here in Silicon Valley that like it can be pretty cutthroat, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's just, it can be tough. And like, nobody likes drama. And so what happens is now there's this workplace drama that's taking place in Daniel's life because some of these leaders are trying to go behind Daniel's back to try and get rid of him. They don't want him there. And so they look meticulously at everything. They're like, is there some place in his job? Like, is there an objective or a key result that he dropped, that he didn't get done, that we can, like, try and make grounds for getting him fired, right? Is there something in his life that he's done? Is there a law that he's broken? And they look at everything in his life, and they can't find any reason to get rid of him. In fact, it, it actually comes back in this account. It says, like, they basically look down. They're like, we can't find anything to get rid of Daniel unless we can do something that would be opposite of his, the law of his God and try and trap him in that, right? Because the only way we're going to get him is if we can create something like that. So they put all their brains together. They start brainstorming it, and they come up with this idea. They're like, we got it. You know, like, we're going to go into the king, and this is what we're going to do. And so they go into the king. They come in. I just imagine it's like the little posse, you know, kind of coming in like, all like, hey, king, what's up, man? Live forever. Hey, you know, all this good stuff. You're so great, king. Like kind of talking him up. And hey, king, we got this idea. You know, all of your leaders, like your top advisors right here, we've been getting together. Do we think you are something, man? I mean, like, man, you just rule so good. You make decrees and commands. Like, like oh, it's just so good, man. Hey, but you know what we were thinking about? Because you're so good, king, we thought that you should issue a decree that everybody here has to pray to you. That for the next 30 days, everybody has to pray to you. And in fact, if they pray to any other God or any other person besides from you, King Darius, then they should be thrown in the lion's den. What you think about that, King? King Darius, I mean, you're, I mean imagine yourself, you're sitting there as the king, right? Like somebody just told you, like, you are legit. You are the man. You are the king, right? Like they just kind of like, like, totally talked up your ego, and he's kind of like taking the hype. He's like, I am actually pretty good. You see that law I passed last week? That was pretty good. Yep, got it through without Congress. You know, so much quicker, because I'm the king. You know, so he's like thinking he's the stuff, and here he is. He's like, yeah, I'll issue that decree. So he puts this decree in place that says nobody can pray to anybody else or any other god except for the king for the next 30 days. If they do, it's an execution sentence. You're going to be fed to hungry lions. Awesome, right? So here is where I want to pick up in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, and see how Daniel responds when he first hears about this decree. In Daniel 6, verse 10, says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And listen to this. It says, three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. 
Verse 11 says, Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Now, before we continue on, I want us to stop right here and see a couple things from Daniel's life that we can pick up here about how Daniel prayed to understand how we can apply it into our life of what it might look like for us when we pray. The first thing that we see right here in this this verse is that Daniel prayed consistently. He prayed consistently. I mean, what happened, right? Like, Daniel gets the word of the decree that you're going to be fed to lions. You pray to anybody else. And what does he do? He just goes up to the same spot, prays three times a day, and it says, like he had done before. For Daniel, it wasn't just like, hey, you know what? I heard about this decree. I think I'm going to start praying today because that sounds like a good idea. No, he went and did the same thing he had always done before. He was consistent when it came to prayer. He was constant. It was not haphazard. It was not based on circumstances. It wasn't based on how he felt that day. It was was not based on these things. I mean, it was, this is what I do in honoring and living for God. I am going to pray and it's going to be consistent in my life. But you know, I think a lot of times in our world today, maybe you guys can all relate to this a little bit, is that we want the quick fix. You guys ever notice that? Like sometimes we want, we want it done now. Like when my iPhone breaks, like I don't want to wait to get it here. Like, I want somebody to walk into my house and hand it to me. Like, I want it now. I want the immediate fix. I want the instant gratification. I want immediate gains. And you think about this, like, with working out, right? Like, who wants to wait two years to get in shape? I want the 90-day workout, man. And I want to move on. Like, we do this with diets. Some of, all of us have probably at some point tried some kind of diet. You know, my, when I was a kid, my parents did the Slim Fast diet. You guys remember this? Slim fast, like drink two shakes and eat a sensible meal and you're going to drop weight. Right. Well, let me tell you what I did as a kid with the Slim Fast diet. Now, I, as a kid, I thought Slim Fasts were like milkshakes. Seriously. So here I am, Sunday night, watching, like we would do this like after church, hanging out. I've got my Slim Fast in one hand and my bag of popcorn in the other. Diet fail right there. Like just chilling. You know, like, like, but this is what we do is we look for like, what's the shake? What's the thing I can do? The quick workout? How can I like try and get this thing all put in place so I can like look all real good? And then like next week I'm like, boom, you know, like it's all back. And here, here's the thing with it though, is if we approach physical fitness with the idea of what if I dieted and worked out consistently? What if I didn't focus on what's the quick fix, the immediate? What if I focused on the long term? What if I said every day, every week, I'm going to like, I'm going to eat a little bit better, add in some better foods. Every week, I'm going to get a little bit better at working out. Maybe I'll hire a trainer, learn some new workouts. And I'm going to just every week focus on just making it a little bit better, a little more consistent. You know what happens over time is that has a great impact in our life, on our physical fitness. And it's the same thing when it comes to prayers. The more consistent we are, the longer we do it, the greater the impact it's going to have. It's why in our family ministry with Bay Kids and Ignite, we always say that our consistency plus duration equals impact. That the more consistent we can be to show up in a kid or a student's life, the longer we can do it, the greater the impact we're going to have on that kid or that student take this principle and apply it anywhere in your life. The more consistently you do it, the longer you do it, the greater the impact you're going to have. So the question for us in our prayer life is, how consistent are you when it comes to praying and seeking God for the things that you are facing and in your life? Or do you often respond 
when it comes out of a circumstance or something happens. Because prayer is admitting dependence on God to unlock the power of God. The second thing that we can see how Daniel prayed in this same verse, in verse 10, is that Daniel prayed thankfully. I mean, it says that he went up into his room. He got there. He prayed three times a day. And it says, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I think there's such a powerful principle for us in this. This idea of giving thanks. Because you know what happens? You know what happens when we begin to, to pray thankfully, when we have gratitude? What that means is it means that we are now looking back at the things that God has done. The things that we can be thankful for. We're seeing how God provided. We're looking at our friendships and relationships at key times. We're looking at all these different things. And we're going through this history of our life thanking God. Even for today, like where we're at right now, you can all sit down and at some point, even in your hardest circumstances, you can find something to be thankful for. Like we can all look down on our present life. I mean, we all have clothes on. As far as I can tell, ain't nobody naked up in here, right? I mean, we can be thankful Thank you for nobody being naked, too, by the way. That's a great thing as well. But, but we can be thankful for something in our present life. We can look back on our past. But you know what happens? Check this out. When we start to be thankful for our past, when we're thankful for the things we have now, it begins to change our perspective into the future. Because you know what starts to happen is now I look back and I go, God was faithful all these times. He's faithful right now. Why would he not continue to be faithful? And here is Daniel. Daniel's in his 80s at this point, right now. He's been through multiple kingdoms. He was ripped and pulled out of, out of his homeland when he was a teenager, like all these places. He's seen God come through so many times. And you know what? Daniel hears this news, and it's like it doesn't even phase him. Why? Because he has seen God be so faithful over his lifetime. And again, if God's been so faithful, why would God change going forward? And I wrestled with this a little bit, actually, this week. You know, sometimes when you're, when you're getting ready to preach, I mean, it's like, the best thing is it's for you. Like, you get all ripped up inside, like, and God's showing me all this different stuff, like, hey, you're not doing good in that area. And I'm like, thank you. I have to stamp and share this with people, you know? And so I, I kind of, like, process through this. And this happened for us as I was processing this part. Uh, my wife, Kendall, and I are right now processing through some family decisions and trying to pray through those. And we had gotten this financial gift given to our family, and my normal go-to, like what we do is, is we tithe. It's giving back 10%. It's what God said to do. So we just say, okay, we're going to do it. It's almost like automatic. Like we get something, 10%, done, bare minimum. Here we go, God, boom, done. But with the decisions we're processing, they have some financial implications. And so we got this gift. And now, instead of like just, God, here you go, tithe, boom, I was like, kind of like, I don't, I don't, I hesitated. I don't, I don't want to kind of closed my fist on it. And, and you know like how this is, like we're kind of like, sometimes we start to negotiate with like our parents or with God or a teacher. Like, is this kind of like the gray area, God? You know, like I think the tithe maybe goes to like income, like salary. This is a gift, right? This is kind of like gray. And we try to like work our way around it. Some of y'all have done this before to people. You know, like you're laughing and smiling like guiltily. You're like, <laughs> I did that yesterday. Um, <laughs> You know, so it's like we, we try to, like, weave around. We're like, this is kind of gray. Maybe it's not. And so I started, like, wrestle with this. And for, like, two weeks, I'm wrestling with this idea, like, do we die? Do we not? What do we do? How do we do this? And so I get to this point where I'm praying through it, and I started to be recalled back to all the ways that God has provided in the past. 
And I just started thanking God for, you know what? You provided here, you provided there, you provided here. We didn't even, we didn't, we didn't expect that. It was kind of like a surprise. Like, you provided all this. And I'm starting to pray through all this stuff. And I go, you know what? If God has been so faithful to provide all the way up until now, if I continue to be obedient, continue to honor him, why would he change? And in the grand scheme of things, if I'm going to go forward, I would rather go forward with less and God's blessing than go forward with more and not have his blessing. My perspective began to change because I started to give thanks and it changed my perspective for the future because I saw the faithfulness of God in the past. So some of you right now, you're in circumstances where you are begging God and you're praying and you're asking God to come through. But here's a question for you. When was the last time you stopped to say thank you, God, for all the things he's done up until now? And let that rechange your perspective going forward. I actually heard this quote. Like, what if you only got tomorrow what you were thankful for today? Some of y'all would be, have nothing, right? Like, like what, if, what, what if we got tomorrow what we were only thankful for today or yesterday? This principle is so powerful in our lives, and when it comes into prayer, we pray consistently, thankfully. But then this passage continues on with Daniel's life. And you got Daniel now who's been found out, right? The guys, the guys found him. They kind of, Go back to the king, and here they go with the tattletale. Some of you have little brothers and sisters, and you hated the tattletale. You know what I'm talking about? Like just the other day, we were cooking pancakes with our kids, and I hear one of them go, the other one's eating the batter. And I'm like, you're just like those leaders in Daniel, right? Like the tattletale. You know, it gives you PTSD sometimes, you know, when you go back to it, and you got told on so many times. And so they go to the king, and they're there, and they're like, hey, king, guess what? We found Daniel. He was praying. Remember that thing you passed? And when they tell him, Darius, the king, he is like distressed. It actually says like it caused him anguish and distress. And now here he is like trying his best to save Daniel all the rest of the day. But then again, these guys come back and they're like, hey, king, don't forget. And our law with the Medes and the Persians, once you put in a decree, you can't change it. So what happens is the king has no choice but to let Daniel go to the lion's den. And Daniel goes in the lion's den. They put a big stone closing up this den. Daniel's down there, and it's all night long because the king is awake. He couldn't sleep. I mean, you probably have been in this situation before with something in your life. You know where you, you go back and you replay every minute, everything. What did I say? Should I said something different? What could I, should I have done? Like, how could I have changed that? Why did this happen? And he's kind of reliving all this. And he's probably just pacing back and forth the whole night. And at morning light, when the sun's coming up, he runs outside and he says, open it up, you know, move the stone back, open it up. And he calls out, Daniel, did your God deliver you? And just imagine this moment. Imagine like the king is standing there. Imagine all these leaders, you know, who wanted Daniel out of here are probably standing there and they're probably all waiting. And the silence is probably just deafening. Maybe only for a split second. I mean, it's just like, it feels like forever. And they hear this call back out where Daniel says, no, I'm good. (laughs) You should have seen it. God sent an angel down here and closed the mouth of the lion's. And God delivered me because he found me innocent before him 
And king, I really didn't do anything guilty before you either. And the king at this point is overjoyed, and he brings Daniel up out of the lion's den, and then these other leaders that are there. And this is like probably one of the most shocking, fearful, like almost like a what the moment. You know, we've all had those in our lives where you're, you don't know what's going to happen. And they, the king then in his anger, remember this is like 600 BC, the king in his anger at these guys and their deceitfulness takes them and throws them in the lion's den. Just got real. He takes Daniel. And this is the verse that I want us to see. In verse 23, it says, When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. He had trusted in his God. See, Daniel, when he prayed, he prayed consistently. He prayed thankfully, and he prayed trustingly. He had faith. He had trust that God would deliver. And this is such a key component for us when we pray. I mean, think about this. The fruit of our prayers is oftentimes tied to our faith. This is why Jesus would always be calling out his disciples and calling out their lack of faith and calling them to new levels of faith and trust and belief. And the question becomes for us is when we're praying, when we're in those circumstances, are we praying for something consistently, thankfully, and are we, are we really believing that God can come through? Or are we back and forth? Like, I don't really know if he is or not. Or are we really believing it and trusting in him? But when we come before God and we start to pray and we pray trustingly and in faith, it doesn't just mean that we kind of go, okay, God, here you go. Let me know when you're done. Let me know when we're good. No. This is the time more than ever for us to get to work and show God through our actions, through our life, that we are trusting him and we are moving forward in faith. In fact, I love this quote from Mark Batterson in a book called The Circle Maker. He says, we pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us. We pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on us. So you know what this means? It means when I'm coming into something to pray about it, I'm going to pray like crazy. And I'm going to believe, and in faith, I'm going to move forward. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and in faith, I'm going to move forward. But I'm going to get to work. I'm going to give it my all. I am going to leverage every ounce of wisdom, resources, networks, friendships, anything I can to move forward in this. I am going to work like it depends on me, but I'm going to pray like it depends on God. And here's what's going to happen, is that while I begin to move forward, because God, I'm praying, I'm trusting, and I'm doing everything I can, and I can get to this point, but God, I need you to help me get get me here. And my prayer becomes, I'm praying for God to come through, and I'm trusting that God can come through in the gap. That God can begin to make up the gap where I get to the place where I can, and now, God, I've given it everything I got. I'm all in. God, you know my heart. I'm fully committed. Here I am. I'm praying now. Would you make up the gap? Would you make up the gap for what my marriage needs? Would you make up the gap for where I need in my career? Would you make up the gap for what I need as a parent? God, I'm giving it everything I got, and I'm trusting for you to make up the gap. We begin to pray consistently, thankfully, prayerfully, uh, trustingly, admitting our dependence on God and begging God to show up, to unlock the power of God in our situation, our circumstances, because we're going all in and we need to see God show up in our life. And I think there's a couple things that are important for us to remember when it comes to prayer. Is that one, God doesn't always do what we want or what we ask. I mean, it's really hard. Some of you have prayed for things so hard. 
and you didn't get it. You know, God didn't promise that life would always be easy. He didn't say that everybody in this lifetime would be healed. He didn't say that every, rest, every relationship would be restored. He didn't say the finances would always be there and be there in abundance. Like, God didn't say these things. And sometimes when we ask for them, sometimes we may get them, but sometimes we won't get what we want or what we ask. But in those times, what we can hold on to is that we can hold on to the fact that God will do everything He promises. That God will do everything He promises. But sometimes, what we can do is we can take things that we want, things that we're asking for, that maybe God has not promised, and we can put those on God like it's a promise from Him. Some of it is we respond out of pain. It's the agony of not getting what we want, and we start to look at God, and we say, why didn't you do this? And it's a part of us processing through that. But we have to realize we can't put promises on God that He didn't make and expect Him to keep them. But the way that we can know the promises and the things that God has said is when we get into reading the Bible for ourselves and we begin to read through it, we begin to know it, we begin to take it and hold on to it because now we know, even as I walk through this circumstance, God has said He'll never leave me. God has said He'll be a place of safety. He'll be a place I can come to. That He will provide for me. That God will be there when I need Him. That I can have hope that God is giving me forgiveness from the things in my past. That God will give me peace. That there's a hope outside of this life, even into eternity. And I have to hold on to the things that God has promised. And as I go forward, I may not know how everything is going to turn out. You know, in our humanity, I mean, we, we can't see the future. We can't see past today. We don't know how it's all going to play out and how it's all going to turn out. But this is where it comes in for us trusting God. And really trusting him that he is going to come through. You know, Daniel had no promise. He had no promise that God would deliver him from the lion's den. But he still trusted God. God, whether you do it or whether you don't, I'm still going to trust you. I'm going to honor you. You've been so good in the past. You've been so good to today. I'm going to trust that you're going to keep going to the future. And as a result of Daniel's admittance of dependence on God. The power of God is unlocked in the situation. You see God come through, show up, show off. All the glory is given to God, even to the point where King Darius, this king that doesn't even follow Daniel's God, sends a decree to the entire empire saying, hey, everybody, I'm telling you and decreeing that you should hold reverence for and fear of Daniel's God because his God's legit. His God is real. I mean, that's the power of when God shows up. It grows our faith and it impacts those around us. And so the question becomes for us today, is what area or areas of your life are you having a hard time admitting your dependence on God? What are those things where you're having a hard time where you just need to come before God and you need to admit your dependence say, God, I need you to show up in this. I'm admitting my dependence on you. I'm coming consistently. I'm coming thankfully, God, and I'm coming trustingly. God, I trust you in this situation. Where are those areas in your life? And honestly, I mean, this is one of the key parts with us in beginning a relationship with Jesus. You know, when we look back throughout the whole Bible and we study about what it means to know God, I mean, basically God would create everything and put men and women in his creation 
to have a unique relationship with him as their God, their creator. But sin would enter the world. It's the evil, the hate, the angerness, the selfishness, it's bitterness, it's whatever things that we do. It's the disobedience to God. It's the things that cause us to fall and become imperfect, separating us from God. But God wouldn't turn away from his creation. He would turn to him and he would say, you know what, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to send Jesus, my one and only son, because I love you so much that if anybody would believe in him, they will be forgiven, they'll have hope, they'll have life, they'll have eternal life, and this whole thing can be restored. And the Bible says that we receive forgiveness, we receive life through faith. That's really, again, it's admitting dependence. Saying, Jesus, I can't get myself to heaven. I can't earn it. I'm not good enough. I can't be perfect. I'm putting my faith in you. I'm admitting my dependence on you for what you did on the cross, and I'm turning to follow you now in my life. Maybe that's where you're at today is to start there. Have you been in that point where you are willing to turn to Jesus and say, I'm admitting my dependence on you to cover my sin? And can you imagine, just for all of us to think about this, like what if God showed up in your life and in the things that you're going through right now? In your marriage, in your friendships, in your dating life, in in your work, in your school, like what if all of a sudden you're praying for something and God just showed up, started answering these prayers? How much different could your life be? How much greater could your faith become? How much more of an impact could it have around And when we sit down to start to pray, admitting our dependence on God, to unlock the power of God, and we do it consistently, thankfully, and trustingly, we can see God begin to show up and begin to work in our lives and in our situations. And today, I want to encourage you and challenge you, what is the one thing, out of all these things, like what's one thing you can do this week to go back to say, you know what, I want God to show up, so what's one thing I'm going to do to start praying Is it just humbling myself to admit my dependence? Is it making a list of of things I can be thankful for and starting to reshape my perspective? Maybe it's checking yourself on your faith and your trust. Maybe it's saying, you know what, where's one place, one time this week I can be consistent with prayer? Maybe it's just in my car on the way to work. I'm going to say every morning this week, I'm just going to try and be consistent. But what's one thing you can do this week? And our band is going to come out here in just a moment and they're going to lead us in a song. And during that song, we want to encourage you just to reflect on this. Write down some of those things. What are the like, top two or three things that you want to ask God to come through on? And just write those down. Let that become your prayer during this time as we reflect on it. Let me pray for us. God, we pray that today you would lead, guide, and direct us. That God, in our lives, you would would grow our faith, that you would bring us to new levels of prayer and trust in you, and that, God, we would see you show up. Guys, we admit our dependence, we would see you show up, and that the power of God would be seen in our lives. And I pray for those at all of our campuses, those online, God, who have yet to put their faith in you, Jesus, that you would help them to understand how to take that step bringing them to faith. I pray for those who are going through circumstances and seasons and trials that are so hard right now, that, God, you would give them the encouragement and the strength to continue pressing on, seeking you through prayer. We pray for this all in Jesus' name. Amen.